This is the Hammer Horror Podcast. Frankenstein edition. The Evil of Frankenstein. Welcome to Hammer Horror Podcast. This is our third podcast in the Frankenstein edition, where we look at the evil of Frankenstein. The intro music was supplied by our friends Midnight Syndicate from the album Monsters of Legend. The track is called Building a Monster. I'm joined by regular podcasters Miles Davies. Hello. And Meredith Murphy. Hello. Who will be casting their views across the entire Hammer Frankenstein franchise. But before we begin dissecting the movie itself, I'd like to give you some notes about Evil of Frankenstein. During the Hammer film cycle, with a slump with Curse of the Werewolf and Phantom of the Opera, but with moderate success with The Kiss of the Vampire, which you're familiar with, Meredith? I am indeed. Um, Yeah, so they were kind of in this position where, you know, bits of success, not so successful, and, you know... Wheels and roundabouts, ups and downs... Um, and then Carreras would post an ad to the public for the for ideas and titles for Hammer movies, the majority being gothic or horror-themed in nature. So with a new lease of life, a series of movies would be brought to the screen. Among these would be a second sequel in the Frankenstein franchise, Evil of Frankenstein. That's pretty damn modern when you yeah. think about it. Sort mm. of very social media-esque. <laughs> Shout out to the peeps. I love it. Um, and then uh, the basic plot from this movie was taken from Peter Bryan's unfilmed Tales of Frankenstein story number five. No to use of from the word. Tales of Frankenstein basic. discussions. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's the first time Universal would partner with Hammer on a Frankenstein film, and I think it's evident in the film, which um, we'll come to in due course. Yeah, when you see Frankenstein, <laughs> you're like, you're looking familiar now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what do our podcasters make of the movie but before we get on to that let's just uh, cast our opinion um, before we cast our opinion let's delve into the plot as usual so we'll go straight into it we open in a forest with a cabin and an elderly couple are leaving with this woman who's crying um, some dodgy old guy watches them go and then we see a man Rolf on the Harris. bed <laughs> Rolf Harris sorry time he calls down spool um, anyway <laughs> After leaving a little girl by herself in a cabin yeah. in the woods with a corpse. As you do. You know. Can you guess what I am yet? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> anyway, we see, uh, we see the uh, dodgy guy and um, in the cabin there is, uh, as we said, this man, uh, presumably dead, a corpse. And a little girl Laid out on the um, kitchen table. On the kitchen table, ready to carve up for, for our Sunday roast. And uh, we watch the little girl um, as she is watching, um, and the dodgy old guy drags this body away. She runs off scared and screams when she comes face to face with Frankenstein. The old couple return with a priest to find the body stolen. The body in question is brought to Frankenstein's lab, and where there are lots of wires, cables, bubbling pots, and the usual foray that we uh, get to witness in all the excellent paraphernalia that's Absolutely. always involved. Token lab. And Frankenstein then proceeds to cut out the corpse's heart. Crash music and open credits. So straight into it. Uh, Both Fran- literally and metaphorically. Yes. Straight <laughs> to the right. heart of straight the matter. Straight to the heart of the matter. Frankenstein places the heart into a glass tank and then smirks. 
Yeah, with a heart. <laughs> and then the dodgy guy is confronted by the priest and the girl who identifies him. Frankenstein and Hans begin their experimentations. They successfully get the heart beating. The Which pre- looks pretty cool. Yeah, it does. Yeah, really. it's like the... the I, I applaud him. It's like the very first defibrillator, isn't it? Yes. But in a fish tank. Exactly. Yeah. Like defibrillator. Defibrillator. I'm back. I'm <laughs> back. <laughs> okay. I'll stop now. So he's Apologies. actually going to say that, but you won't. With, you know, <laughs> evil intent. <laughs> Okay, uh, so where do we have now? So then the priest enters the building and begins to smash up the equipment, destroying it, much to Frankenstein's fury. Which is not very Christian of him, no, really. No, really. No. no. I should have uh, talked it for you. Really. Scott Morrison guide to Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> Just smash it up. Uh, Frankenstein and Hans leave the town in pursuit of some safe haven to continue their work. They return to Frankenstein's home of Karlstadt. Uh, the chateau. The chateau. Yeah. I just love that. No, nothing ever happens in Karlstadt. They'll never remember me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I only nothing the, happens the, in Karlstadt. Yeah. They're gonna fucking remember you. The, o- the only thing that ever happened in Karlstadt <laughs> was that one of the They'll local. Never remember. A local noble just decided to do some choppy choppy and create life. That's not it's memorable okay. at all. It's only been ten years, and he expected so all of his grudges. all of his stuff to be intact, yeah. which I, I yeah. was quite amazed when he was genuinely taken aback. Of like, <gasps> my God, there's dust and there's no furniture. <laughs> so uh, we uh, we open with the well. They come across this pretty beggar girl in the street, and she's being picked on by some locals. Uh, whilst running away, she stumbles, and Hans and Frankenstein bump into her, and then she runs off. Um, he thinks there might be a small plot device uh, being assembled mm, as we speak. Yeah. Um, there is a carnival going on in the village. I love this bit, which Frankenstein and Hans use to go through the village unobserved. Just coincidentally, a huge carnival going on. Uh, Festival of whatever. I I love how it's the entire town is in the town square. You know, it doesn't jump straight away to let's don masks. That that comes later. It's like let's just brazenly be the only carriage going through the town. (laughs) I'm not recognisable. Yep, that's it. Uh, so um, they approach Frankenstein's unabandoned, uh, his abandoned sorry, estate and discover that it has been ransacked, as we were alluding to. And we have Frankenstein saying, why can't they leave me alone? Because Franken- he got nice stuff is, and he left yeah, it alone. And you're like, oh, come on. You know, Karlstadt, <laughs> it's very close to Liverpool. And, you know, you can't trust the Liverpoolians. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Um, Frankenstein then uh, begins to tell Hans in a flashback what happened. Um, and Frankenstein begi- uh, brings the monster to life, and after some numerous tests and observations on the creature involving fire and food, Frankenstein awakens one day to find the creature is gone. He goes in pursuit, following a tale of dead sheep, and finds the creature feasting on one of the sheep's bodies. He was peckish. Yeah. Some locals appear on the scene and open fire. Frankenstein tries to prevent them, but gets shot in the process. The creature escapes, climbing a mountainside, but is shot and is seen falling in the distance. No, 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 no. It's quite cool as the dialogue in this. Like, yeah. The whole flashback is just all in like silent movie type. I thought That's it was right. a well done yeah, flashback. Was, was yeah. Really good. And you can picture like Frankenstein talking to Hans and doing the whole thing in mind. Mm. <laughs> I'm in a box. <laughs> I'm in a box. <laughs> um, My no, you're right. It's true. I don't wonder if that's a nod to the silent era too, but mm. um, possibly. 
Who knows? I like to think to, so. Like, what is he going to say? Like, is he going to talk to the monster? Like, because the monster's not going to talk back to yep. him. Exactly. It's not, you know, the most communicative so the fellow only, character. The only thing to bear in mind in this is that with this flashback, it does not relate to any of the previous no. movies we've seen. No, which I was kind of looking forward to. I was kind of yeah. like, "Oh, you're flashing back. Are we going to so are we going to reuse yeah, footage?" Made up their own it's almost like this is a rebirth yeah. of of the franchise that they're trying to attempt here. I like Even how they, they use the hands yeah. hands character from yeah. the previous film, yeah. which is a different actor, but it's um. It's, well, apparently, it's not the same hands. It's not the same hands. No. It's just a good name. Okay. Well, it's a good... Apparently, um, uh, Anthony um, Hines, who wrote this, he had said that um, he just liked the name that worked well on his typewriter, so he just kept reusing well, it. Well, the, the letters H and A H are quite close, If they're supposed to be different they? people, seriously, change them. Yeah. Keep yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's the whole, you know... <laughs> Gothic bog standard names of, you know. You can type other letters, you know. I just want to review the H-A-N-S, H-A-N-S. I just want to review the Harlan's character. God help him if he ever, you know, transcribed the Star Wars. Everyone would be renamed. Han Solo. Oh dear. Alright, so then Fra- Frankenstein, Frankenstein tells Hans that he never returned to his home after hometown after that day. Frankenstein and Hans don disguises, as you were also alluding to, Meredith, um, to well, then mingle in the parade and he, get a spot of grub from the local. You know, he'd resisted at first. He, it was very he blase did. about, you know, moseying around the town, and then it was only yeah. sort of like, oh, here, take a mask. Yep. They'll never recognise me. We're just going to the local pub. I'm just going to go to this pub and make a fuss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because he's quite, I've written here, he's quite curt with the landlord, you know. Um, you know, with the food, like get me some food. Okay, use the, you can replace one of those letters and Kurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he gets angry with the burgomaster who has stolen his ring, uh, and this fracas shouting across yeah. the pub. <laughs> How and not like, to draw attention yeah, to yourself? Exactly. One hundred and one. <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, so uh, a fracas ensues, and Frankson and Hans then have to run off, seek refuge in a hypnotist performance before stealing their escape. Um, in the next scene, uh, the burgomaster makes for um, his escape, but is interrupted by Frankenstein, who discovers all his possessions in, in the house. Which uh, is a pretty funny and scene. Clad and clad wife. Scan- yes, that's right. With the, with the heaving bosom. <laughs> Straight out of Carry On. It was, it yeah. was complete farce. Yeah, yeah. This one. Even the jumping out of the window. I, I've written that too. That, so, they, yeah, so that just happened. The chief of police arrives to arrest Frankenstein, but he manages to get away out of the bedroom window. But there's a, that comical thing where they're banging thing. against the door and yeah. it's like the big, big burgomaster goes, sweeps everybody aside and goes, Dum! Oh! just a bit more just a bit more need a bit longer there was definitely a bit of um i don't know if either of you have seen octopussy but there's there's one scene where she wraps the sari and like you know descends from the and it was very similar i'm like oh cushing Cushing does octopussy with an almost (laughs) cushing does octopussy (laughs) Um, that would have been great, by the way. <laughs> I did write like the it's almost like a Bond desk Errol Flynn kind of manner as he bids yeah. goodbye to the burgomaster's wife as he does so. Good With night. a bit of a you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so oh, you're kidding. <laughs> 
Um, so then Hans and Frankenstein make their leave once more over the mountainside and they discover the village girl from the previous scene who shows them shelter in a cave. Uh, we discover at this point that the village girl is both deaf and mute. In the morning, they discover the creature, Frankenstein's creature, um, and it has been preserved in ice. Look up there, a giant popsicle. Look behind Which, um, that polyphane sheeting. It's really, uh, this was a story that has been taken from a universal backlog too, with the, uh, was it uh, Frankenstein versus the Wolfman? Uh, had that whole concept where Frankenstein was frozen in ice, the monster was frozen mm. in ice. Um, so kind of similar storyline there. Um, but yeah oh you know Hollywood they never repeat any story of course not Um, so uh, they begin to thaw him him out and to take (laughs) just get the hair dryer on it to get the creature back to the chateau shouldn't be too much longer now (laughs) Um, anyway they begin their preparations in the old lab setting it up to revive the creature and once again the creature is brought back to life but has no response the brain is dormant and, but this does not uh, deter Frankenstein. He is wanting to succeed in his mission. Uh, and meanwhile, the mute girl is quite intrigued by this creature that has been frozen in ice. I love how she just sort of came along for the ride. It's yeah. like, you know, oh, you stayed in my cave. I'll go stay in your chateau yeah. now and sweep the floors. It's better than a cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. I guess so, you know, ladies, ladies and moving not, on up. not bashing her up or anything like that. No. no. That's what you're doing, yeah. so anything's better than that. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then Frankenstein then hatches a plan to involve the hypnotist from a, the, the previous scene in order to bring the creature back to life. Once the hypnotist is on board, after some reluctance at first, he manages to put the creature under his spell. The creature appears quite violent in its behaviour. The hypnotist then begins to see the prophet involved in the creature and wants to show it off to the world. Frankenstein refuses. So the hypnotist proves that they can't make the creature do anything without his help as it responds to his command and his alone. Bring me chips. I want bacon. The hypnotist has the power and blackmails Frankenstein to agree to his plans. The hypnotist then commands the creature to head into the village to steal gold, which it does so. Totally what I'd do. Yeah. Bring me all the jewels, all the gold. But I love how he comes out with a crucifix. And <laughs> like, you know, the symbolism there, it's just beautiful. Yeah, the only money's in the church, everybody knows that. Yeah. Mm, Catholics build on hills. <laughs> Always the best. <laughs> That's it. Uh, but then the hypnotist gets greedier, commanding the creature to punish certain people in the village. This time he's witnessed by the mute girl. The creature then breaks into the Burgomaster's home and attacks him and eventually kills him by continuously throwing him against the wall. Which was quite an interesting death scene. Yeah. Of like, you know, oh, against the wall, oh, against the wall, oh, against the wall. As, you know, yeah. the, the woman sort of doesn't scream at first no. and then it's like, ah, oh, good lord. Okay, screams are overheard and the chief of police goes to investigate. The creature, meanwhile, kills a policeman, mistakenly believing him to be the chief of police. For him, so that was a bit where you've got that guard guy who steals the uniform, dresses up as you do. The creature then returns to the lab with bloodied hands, and the hypnotist realizes that he's gone too far. Maybe just a smidgen. Frankenstein also discovers the foul misdeeds and kicks the professor out. Get. Um, and the professor then commands the creature to kill Frankenstein. A struggle ensues and Frankenstein uses a gas lantern to drive the creature away. 
The professor commands the creature to go back to kill Frankenstein, but the creature turns on the hypnotist instead, killing him before escaping. Uppence come. Yes. Frankenstein tries to give chase, but is prevented by the chief of police, who believes that he is in fact the killer. A drunk man tells of the creature to the chief of police, who, believing him, gathers together some locals to burn it. And a posse is formed. Meanwhile, Frankenstein is struck, uh, is stuck in prison, but makes his escape by the cunning use of chloroform. Mm. Then steals a horse and carriage, strives to get to the creature first. Heads to the nearest green screen. It does. <laughs> it was a beautiful green screen. I must admit, I did, I did smile quite, quite broadly it in was that like, scene. Oh, you've got the rest of the film, which is so beautifully shot, yeah. and then you've got this awful, like, it's the sore <laughs> thumb, basically. Yeah, yeah. They're just, just oh, it. there's right. another sore thumb, but I enjoyed it, and that comes at the end. I'll uh, talk about uh, that ooh. later. Oh, yeah, the miniatures. We, we okay. shall see. We shall, oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, God, yes. but oh, yes. <laughs> Okay, so the creature has returned to the chateau with the mute girl and complains of a migraine. <laughs> it's the, that's how he it's like, oh, my head, my head. But he's soon soothed by alcohol, which is a common cause to cure any migraine. But he doesn't make a good, he doesn't make a very good drunk and starts to trash the joint. And I, I loved his way of like just going back and getting more. Like once he gets yeah, the first yeah. taste from the puddle oh. that he smashed, he's like, "Ooh, beer, me it's like." Good. And then it's lots of you know smashing of bottles. Yes, that's right. To a mindless alcoholic. He does. Time. Frankenstein tries to stop Turns the creature. into a chav. Archies, check out this moonshine. Frankenstein tries to stop the creature, but the place goes up in flames, trapping itself and Frankenstein inside the lab. Hans and the mute girl. Managed to escape just as the chateau explodes and collapses with its occupants somewhere inside. With a highly realistic Closed model credits. used. A really cool model. I, you see, I thought it was cool, but, you know, that might be just me. It did not look remotely realistic. No. It looked kind of like it's it was a tower made of cheese yeah. you know, and it was portly. It shoot, shoot in slow motion. Yeah. Mm. And it looks epic that way. But I don't know why they show it in real time. And, and they show it exploding in real time. It's weird. The beautiful way as well, they have absolutely no reaction to this explosion. Mm. Like, there's not even a gust of wind that ruffles her hair. They just stand there and look at it, and it's like, yeah, it blew up. Okay, yep, next. And I'm like, hang on. Okay. Bit of a reaction here, people. It's like, someone's broken my model. They blew it up. Yeah. <laughs> they killed my toy. <laughs> and there's some very large flames lapping up yes that's right <laughs> oh dear anyway so yeah and that's how it ends we're presuming that uh, both Frankenstein and his uh, creature died. killed inside you don't say <laughs> you reckon yeah. is there no one after this oh uh, well uh, yes <laughs> I don't reckon he died then. Yeah, maybe and maybe, then maybe. you know it just opens a wonderful door to what possible glorious way can they sort of go but he's back really he's maybe survived maybe on him Double piss on him. It's from Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Freddy pissed on that's the right. grave, the bones of... And that's uh, all that was all needed. A bit of dog piss. <laughs> Frankenstein would have been I especially know. peeved about that. Like, all these fancy contraptions. All he needed was some canine urine. That's right, and exactly. I'm back. I may smell a piss, but I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It could be worse than a cat. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. God, yeah. So any, oh, anyway, the, uh, just a couple of things uh, before we uh, cast a few uh, initial thoughts or reactions. So that there's the historical book, The Hammer Story, 
would uh, um, venture to say that the film sits uncomfortably among Hammer's other Frankenstein films, which potentially inclined to agree, but we'll come to that. Um, but despite this, it did perform markedly better in the States than it did in the UK on release. Again, those Americans... Those Americans just can't put enough of trashy gothic horror. Well, I must admit, if I was laying there, like, in a burger coma somewhere in the US, <laughs> I'd probably go a bit of that. Yeah, but, yeah, you know. yeah. absolutely. <laughs> it's better than anything that makes you think. Yeah. That's right, that's right. <laughs> So, uh, b- before we kind of cast our, our, our overall thoughts, what, what was your initial reaction upon seeing this one? Oh, look, I, it was beautifully shot, and... It did, it it did was, look good. And it was, yeah, I, I did like the, um, the flashback sequence, but God, it was shit. <laughs> the script yeah. itself was so lazy, like, yeah. it was just sloppy, it like... Exactly. was quite an odyssey to trudge through mm. I'm just sort of like next scene next mm. scene yeah. next scene next scene and it, it did have that sort of like unbelievably stupid <laughs> Frankenstein was just unbelievably stupid yeah. he was like trying not to call attention to himself and he would make wrong decisions at each time like like not calling attention to himself and then suddenly start screaming at the top of his lungs yeah. that's my ring but also in a pub. And he, he was just going every single bit of motivation for him was just ridiculous and he was so watered down as well like I know yeah, in our last right. record we were talking about how he you know there was much more of that palpable evil yeah. sense about him and you know that that burgeoning psychopath or sociopath right. coming to the fore and in this one that was completely gone yeah. and I'm like that was the hook that was beginning yeah, to get me was, in um, there's no real character development for nah. him really so it, that's, that's, that's what I was hinting that's numbers. what I was um, hinting at in the, in the previous podcast is that the BBFC really clamped down on any kind of that mm. type of stuff so the, the interesting the, juicy the impact, stuff exactly and the impact it had is that the character became like this well, it's quite farcical, so. really. So, it's just, yeah. you know, you, you're watching him going, I know what you're going to do. Ha, oh, you're just going to draw attention to yourself. Oh, I wonder what <laughs> will happen next. Yeah. That's it. And it it's was frustrating. An educated doctor yeah. of some sort, and, and you're making completely the wrong decisions his time. You're back, yeah. Like a moron, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, and the, also just on that, so I've written in my notes, the BBC, BBFC, just to reiterate my point, wanted uh, Frankenstein's character to be more compassionate. Um, because, you know, he's a doctor and all. Yeah, anyway. Mm. So, Go um, figure. Just, I mean, we'll, we'll come to, we will come they to talk about... The evil of the, Exactly. The, the irony Rather there, than right? the... How is it? I yeah. might just go out and do so some gardening now, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. He's not right, he's not like An okay <laughs> bloke on the whole, Frankenstein. So, uh, the misunderstanding of Frankenstein. <laughs> the, the, the stroppy Frankenstein. The stroppy attention-seeking Frankenstein writing a letter of complaint to every single That's department it. store in Karlstag. Why don't you like me? <laughs> You've got this stuff available. It's from my house. All my stuff's on eBay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Look, we'll we'll come to the... I mean, maybe we will talk about the players of the piece because we we are already talking about the Frankenstein role. Um, I mean, Peter Cushing really has nothing to work with in this character. It's just so watered down. Uh, Even somebody of Cushing's calibre, you can see, is really He's struggling. struggling. But for me, it was... Cushing can normally pull me through a lot of films with this one. Even I was really struggling with the... Yep, just finish it. Just yeah, finish the draw count for the performance. Well, yeah. the chick, the mm. Kenny Wilde, was yeah. awesome. She yeah. was very like, good. She was really good. And she, every time she appeared, it was like 
Yeah, interest. Sort of what, yeah. yeah, she was really interesting. Yeah, mm. I, I agree. I found her quite charismatic to watch when she was on the screen. Mm. Let's talk about her. Her name's uh, Katie Wilde. Um, she would be in um, like just numerous TV roles, including like Sons of Daughters and A Country Practice. Yeah, she apparently Who? lives in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Who was she in A Country Practice? I have no idea. Okay. Just listed I'm it as... as Going to get on the internet about yeah, this one? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Somebody oh, let oh, us... IMDB it. IMDB. Um... But, but she, she was, was also in an uncredited agent. role as a WAF officer in 633 Squadron. Um, but more importantly, I think, is that she did crop up in two of Freddie Francis's movies. Freddie Francis, mm-hmm. the director of this movie, she was in The Deadly Bees and They Came From Beyond Space. Um, so, obviously, a, a regular of Freddie's to kind of call upon in the casting. And as we said, yeah, she, I thought she was actually quite charismatic on the screen and probably the only heart in the screen too. She's the one that sympathises with the creature's position. Mm. And I guess that's because of her own kind of downtrodden problems. But no, yeah. she was engaging and Miles yeah. was absolutely right. Like every time she came on well, screen, you know, it was like, ah. Oh. didn't have any yeah. of that ludicrous dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And not being burdened <laughs> by that appalling script <laughs> is, you know, only, <laughs> only to my benefit. Um, I also found the, it really quite interesting seeing a shift in um, the monster makeup. That yeah. was, that's br- bringing it really into line with the American version. Well, that's it. Version. And, and it's, it's she was only in two episodes of Country Practice. Two Aww. episodes. Very, like, I was hoping for a regular. regular. I was like, who no, was she? She was a regular in um, uh, Sons and Daughters. Alice Park actually played. Oh, I, I never watched Sons and Daughters, so I will probably be um, deported immediately. No, yeah, it's already in effect. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> um, okay, cool. No, no, she was good. Uh, so, yeah, the makeup, and uh, I mean, they were, I think it's no surprise that because of the uh, link with Universal, they mm. went back to the old school mm. Universal uh, style. I, lo- I love the, because he's, he's almost got like a box head that he yes. can sort of flip down and just replace the brain, should you. <laughs> Require yeah, a new right. brain. I thought it was like, cool. Like a little, little latch on it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, front, yeah. Just you know, flip the latch, pull it down, slot the new one in like a hard drive, and mm. then out you go. Like, despite the very heavy eyeliner, I did think it was quite a cool costume and makeup. And like, mm. yes, maybe I was just responding to it because it's the absolute sort of essence of this so, is what Frankenstein's I, monster I, looks I like. It was a, I thought it was a bit of a backward step. I really liked the uh, the the makeup design in the first movie. Mm, because, that is true. Uh, and I think I said I really loved that as well, did, so, so I'm a fickle woman. So uh, I don't know, I found it a bit of a backward step, really. I, I felt it, it kind of was, yeah, particularly because... Well, it was cashing in yeah, on the American exactly, side of things yeah, rather than developing... It the iconic image of the Frankenstein monster, but I kind of felt like... Um, it was they'd already stamped their mark on, yeah. on that creature design but I guess it goes back to so many problems with this film that it's they were onto something and they were sort of building a particular mm. character and taking yeah. it down a different path and then it's suddenly like they wussed out or the money was coming somewhere else that went no you're coming <laughs> into line with us now sweet cheeks and you know look yeah. what we got they would like to know about the metal boots. Why the mm. metal boots? Obviously, they were cool. Obviously, it's conducted into some sort, but yeah. surely they replace them with some more comfortable footwear at some stage. No wonder like, he was angry. Instead of, like, you know, because he's tr- trudging along, and he, the static build-up alone would just be incredible. I was with these metal boots, and I was like, why? You're making this poor bugger walk around, and he's... Massive boots. That must weigh a ton as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I reckon maybe the static his feet uh, must be freezing. Static electricity was was his way of recharging himself. Maybe. 
<laughs> Must get more power. Shuffle feet on carpet. Metal and, and a bit of nylon or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> All right, well, let's just quickly talk about some of the other uh, people in the in the piece. So we had Peter Woodthorpe, who played the Zoltan character, the hypnotist. Good name for a hypnotist. Ooh, like, uh, not at all of... Not at all common. Yeah, <laughs> I kept thinking that too. <laughs> there you go. Is it the Zoltan? No, that's the Zoltan machine, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, yeah, what's the Zoltan? Zolt- Zolt- Interesting. Um, he supplied Peter Woodfall uh, supplied the voice of Gollum in 1978's Baxi version of Lord of the Rings Uh, in addition voiced uh, Pigsy in Monkey which makes him a legend instantly he starred in the very first British stage productions of Waiting for Godot and The Caretaker Uh, acting chops right there he was also in Hysteria Hammerfilm and The Skull which was uh, an amicus film he did he look familiar. I've seen played, him in a few uh, things, I think. Played Reg Trotter, the father of Del Boy, in Only Fools and Horses. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also we played Quasimodo in 60s TV series of Hunchback, as well as three outings of Teabag. Now, remember Teabag? I'm looking directly at Miles. Yeah. Oh, and um, you should direct, uh, direct that oh, at me as well, because I was I obsessed was with Teabag. Cool. Oh, yeah. But it's interesting, because whenever so, I go on about it, most people... Don't in Australia, it. don't remember it. So I must have just hit that sweet spot with yeah. ABC programming, where I'm like, "Teabag, come at me!" Installments of it, mm, like Silver Spoons. Yeah, yeah. Silver Spoons is the main one I remember. Yeah, like, T-shirt. Yeah. I don't remember it too much. It's that like a, a, I guess, a, a kids kind mm. of best like, show ever. Show. I think I must have just missed There's it. There's all these puzzles that, like, you have a central character, and they have to form these puzzles in this world and solve clues right. and stuff, and eventually they form a bigger picture look oh. into it you'd enjoy yeah, it yeah no I'll check it out yeah yeah no it was, um, he was in two of them so the, mm. oh no three of them sorry which is kind of interesting different, I character, different characters in all three Nicholson, though, I think Nicholson, Nicholson, yeah, yeah. That's, where, mean, that's where it's I've seen every single oh, episode of Nicholson 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 about 600 times yeah so. same same Okay, so yeah, and I thought he brought gravitas to to the uh, to the piece. He what he is as the antagonist within it, you know, and um, yeah, I thought he was suitably uh, apt. Um, clunky dialogue aside, I think mm. but amazing right. bedspread in his little cabin. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Again, you know the I things I focus that, on. Yeah, the I'm things like, I focus on. Bedspread. There was no like it's old metal shoes and bedspreads. It's it's look, coming look, back. Look at that. To some good production design, and like that—that's the thing that you know I was clinging on to desperately for the complete lack of good storyline. It was, does say it lot looks good. Yeah, yeah. We've said that too. And we're going to come to uh, the reason for that in a bit, I think. But um, just uh, two, uh, a couple more people, just to kind of mention. Uh, we've got Duncan Lamont, who played the chief of police. He would play Kennedy in the Thirty Nine Steps. Would be in Ben Hur, Mutiny on the Bounty. Flight. He played the flight sergeant Arthur in Battle of Britain. Uh, was in sci-fi series The Quatermass Experiment. Uh, he played Sladden in Quatermass and the Pit. He was in uh, The Man in the White Suit, The Tower of Two Cities, The Scarlet Blade. The Devilship Pirates, The Brigand of Kandahar, The Creeping Flesh, and was in uh, Doctor Who episodes Death to the Daleks. Probably why he was familiar. I yeah. do like um, The Man in the White Suit. That was an awesome Man movie. in the White Suit is one of my favourite. Yeah, movies. I love the old Indian comedies. Yeah. Alec Guinness. Just I've got that brilliant. with uh, the Land Hill. Hill yeah, and Kind of Hudson Club Nets. Yeah, yeah. It's great, great shows, yeah. uh, films. Um, so there you go. He's definitely somebody of, of, of weight caliber. Yeah. Um, 
Where does he sit in this film? I don't really think he's offering too much, to be honest. Okay, and then we have um, Sandor Ellis, who plays Hans. He's mostly cast as foreigner types on British TV. Probably more memorable as uh, Paul Ross in Crossroads, though, um, which was a, a soap in the UK. Um, uh, podcasters may remember him from uh, playing uh, Le- uh, Lieutenant Imra Toff in Countess Dracula. Um, he was also uh, in another Hammer um, pro- uh, project, uh, playing a very small role as the second desk clerk in Hammer House of Mystery and Suspense episode called Checkmate. Um, Hans apparently um, is, as I said, not the same as the Hans in Revenge. Scre- as we said, screenwriter Hines apparently found the name easier to type, um, which comes back down to this lazy uh, script writing that we were mentioning mm. too. Look, if you again, can't like, even be bothered to type a longer you know, name, like, you know that <laughs> it's going to continue to annoy you. The characters keep like, coming That up. was one of the f- redeeming <laughs> things of this film is the fact that it was it was Hans, and they kind of continued yeah. on from where they left off. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. Apparently not. But now it's not. Yeah. It just pisses me <laughs> off. It makes me angry. But yeah, the character reason Rick doesn't again doesn't really add much to the, no. the storyline apart from. Um, he, there is a bit of a twinkle in his eye towards the, the bigger girl character mm. um, but other than that you know, like he doesn't really offer anything mm. of, of substance so mm. yeah other nods we should have uh, go to David Hutchinson who played the Burgomaster who I jumped to before jumped prematurely to but he did play Hoppy in the life and death of Colonel Blimp mm-hmm. and I'm looking at Miles because yep. I know he's a fan I do recognize um, him. and he was also in the abominable Doctor Phoebe's um, oh, cool. But like, as we said, very kind of uh, you know uh, Carrie-esque kind mm. of role within this doesn't really offer much. As is the lady who plays his wife in this, Karen Gardner. Um, it's probably no Plus surprise. <laughs> it's probably no surprise. And a bit that cross-eyed she, um, as well. <laughs> she was in. Oh, her, I got this. <laughs> she was in. It's probably no surprise that she was in the Benny Hill show. Oh, I'm horrified. Just, and uh, was it to me? She took a break from the Royal uh, Shakespeare Company. Yeah, <laughs> they could spare her, <laughs> so, darling. So true. Um, but she was in. A, she had an uncredited role as one of the flying circus pilots in Goldfinger as well, alongside oh. Anna Blackman's Pussy Galore mm. character, um, as well as in uh, in Monty Python's Flying Circus, which I thought quite a funny circle of events, uh, but around. probably leaning more towards the Benny Hill side of things. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, yeah, very carry on esque and pretty forgettable in her role, to be quite blunt. Um, and a, lo- a last couple of people would be James Maxwell, who plays the priest at the beginning. Uh, he's an American actor who starred in Far From the Madden Crowd and whose ghost apparently haunts the Royal Exchange. Oh, which I thought was kind wow. of an interesting thing. I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> I want to go there. But yeah. Yeah, so there you go. And the other person was Howard Gooney, who plays the drunk guy who witnesses um, the the creature mm. doing his rounds. Um, he uh, was in um, a podcast, which we will talk to about in the later course, called To the Devil, A Daughter. Um, and also in um, one of my all-time favourite war films, uh, The Hill, uh, directed by Sidney LeMay, starring mm, uh, Sean Connery. Love that movie, mm. um, and was also in um, uh, Blood on Satan's Claw, which is, is a bit of a fake. Is it really Lemay? I always yes, years Sydney I've been Lemay. Calling Lemay. 
Oh, is it? I'm I saying don't know. I just go even Ooh. a bit more bogan and go lummet. 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 But that's Australia. Films. 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 Seen it. Seen it. Seen it. I'm going straight onto Wikipedia to the pronunciation guide. I thought it was lummet. I will stand corrected if it's not. Um, and yeah, so he was also in uh, Blood on Satan's Claw, which is a bit of a not a Hammer film, but was around in like the uh, sem- early seventies, I think. Um, became a bit of a favourite amongst British afic- uh, film horror film aficionados, and he was also in Fiddler on the Roof as well. Mm. Uh, but let's let's move those aside. No disrespect to them; they they serve their purpose. But the point uh, that I want to get to is that the reason this film looks so bloody good is because it's in the hands of Freddie Francis. Yeah. Mm. Um, exactly. I think it's the one saving grace of this movie. It the was well and done. The, 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 obviously, you know, he's so meticulous with his direction yeah. and mm. the framing and where to stick the camera and shit. That he's just, it looks amazing. Yeah. Even that, just the, that there was, my favourite shot was, they're outside, the, it was towards the end, they're outside, as a low shot looking at the Frankenstein's door, the body's in the foreground, Frankenstein rushes out outside chasing you know, trying to escape or whatever. Yes, and I recall. the police are suddenly there and all you see is like the guy's, uh, the Burgermeister or the, the uh, police guy's foot just yeah. tip over the body. Yes. And it's like, ah, oh, winner. <laughs> yeah. But like f- three different elements going on at once. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah, I know, that's it. That was it. That was kind of what kept me going, to be honest. Yeah. Which is, again, a shame so, that yeah. had it had a decent script. Yeah, exactly. Like they had a great cast of who would have had the chops to pull it off yeah. and it's it's just another one was, of those hammer almost there. It was the bears. lipstick on the pig basically. It was the lipstick on the pig. Um, look we've um, just a quickly just a bit, a bit of a background on Freddie Francis too. Um, look he for this particular movie he was stepping to direct replacing Terence Fisher. Um, this was the only movie of the Frankenstein franchise that Fisher did not direct hmm. um, and it fell into the hands of Freddie Francis um, and the reason that Fisher wasn't attached was down to two reasons one that he, he had partly fallen out of favour with Hammer because of the non-successful Curse of the Werewolf movie see and I love that film movie. I know I like it too and the Phantom of the Opera it's one really too it just didn't didn't do very well so he kind of fell out of favour a bit um, but you know, um, it was also he was actually attached to another project as well at the time, so you could argue that he wouldn't have been available anyway. Um, we have mentioned Freddie before in the Hammer Horror podcast. I think it was yourself and I, um, Miles, on uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has been involved with Hammer. He he also did uh, Never Takes Sweets from a Stranger um, as a cinematographer, which is another Hammer film. Um, I'll just see if there's any other Hammer ones in there. Oh, Hysteria and Nightmare and Paranoiac. He would take on directorial duties of. But just naming a few of the other things, the cinematography he was involved with was a uh, Broom at the Top, which was a successful British film, mm. as is uh, Saturday Night and Sunday Morning, which is, again, one of my favourite yeah. British movies. Yeah. Um, uh, he also did The Innocents. He did The Elephant Man, David Lynch film, French Lieutenant's Woman, The Straight Story, uh, Sons and Lovers, and Glory. Um, two of the latter two Sons of Lovers and Glory of which won him the Oscar for Best Cinematography we were just talking wow. about uh, Elephant Man today actually and it's probably one of the best shot David Lynch films oh it's just yeah. absolutely just the, the soundscape the story and, too uh, oh, which yeah. is what he was involved with yeah, as well yeah. that, was that his last film yeah yeah so, yeah so he came out of retirement to do that I that's think. right 
yeah. yeah. And that's a great film. Yeah, just a guy on a lawnmower, yeah, going across America. It's probably the, the most, most weirdest David Lynch, like straightest David Lynch film exactly ever made. Say, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, look, uh, other directorial things, just to quickly mention, is that he did The Skull, he also did Tales from the Crypt and The Creeping Flesh. So he did have a... a a leaning towards a certain kind of film um, but yeah look I think it's probably why he hooked up with David Lynch in the first yeah, place so, yeah, exactly. yeah. I'm sure Lynch would have given props to the yeah. that sort of absolutely. CV absolutely um, but yeah look I, as I as to reiterate I just think uh, some of the some of the shots in this movie just really mm. kept me hooked in and, yeah you know just like that it was at least beautifully just, done visually to see mm. um, the writer and producer as I said was Anthony Hines um I heard Terence Fisher didn't do it because he had a car accident. Somebody, like that's what IMDb says. Yeah, but I don't yeah. know. Look, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of an excuse. By yeah, the there was that too. There's a yeah. few things knocking around, so I don't know which Sorry, one got into, the, into the truth. Truth porridge. I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. Fair enough. Um, okay, so final final thoughts on the movie. Do we have any favourite moments? Um, so, I mean, the you mentioned your... DP, uh, yeah, yeah the it's, framing and all that. And I thought Katie Wilde was yeah, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, the miniatures look shit. I kind of terrible. had a soft spot for the miniatures, but in that really <laughs> cheesy way of going, this is not good, but it's yeah, so yeah, bad yeah. that it's entertaining me. But, yeah, apart from that, it was well shot. There's a way of doing but miniatures just... and making it work, as we and, and, and they've had, they had actually... Oh, yeah. point of how did you miniatures and make it work. <laughs> Already mastered this. Yeah. And, and green screen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Poor green screen as well. Oh, they're, yeah. They're That's at, right. You know, given the time this was made, they could have done a lot better than that. Mm. Yeah. But it was, for me, I thought it was quite a, a weak film. And it was sad that it was it stepped away from that direction that they were going with the, the previous... Of Agreed. The characters Agreed. were developing what, nicely. Green screen on it. Because you could have quite easily just done a low shot, shot him up up from the mm. um, uh, carriage, bottom, low up into the carriage, yeah. and just have the sky in the background and just blow some wind at him or yeah, something like that. that. But why they insisted on doing that shitty shot? It's weird. Maybe Don't Freddie know. insisted on it. Yeah, so. might have done. Might have done. One of his fake parts, but mm. there you go. Um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. And. Um, yeah, I, what I can promise though is that we are creeping more towards the ones that I do like um, without giving too much away get excited um, so um, the next uh, installment of which uh, will be Frankenstein Created Woman and we will talk about that in our next installment and, but until then thank you very much Miles thank you thank you Meredith we Pleasure. hope you uh, enjoyed and tune in next week for our talk on Frankenstein created woman. Goodbye. The Frankenstein edition, the evil of Frankenstein discussions was brought to you by the Hammer Horror podcast team. Your host, Paul Farrell, co-host Miles Davies and Meredith Murphy. Music supplied by Midnight Syndicate from their album Monsters of Legend, title called Building the Monster. Check out Midnight Syndicate at www.midnightsyndicate.com. For more discussions from the Hammer Archives, check out our home address at www.hammerhorrorpodcast.com. Or why not check us out on Facebook or Twitter? Until then, we'll see you 
next time.
Frankenstein edition, Curse of Frankenstein Discussions, was brought to you by the Hammer Horror Podcast team. Your host, Paul Farrell, co-hosts Miles Davies and Meredith Murphy. Music supplied by Midnight Syndicate from their album, Monsters of Legend, title called Building the Monster. Check out Midnight Syndicate at www.midnightsyndicate.com. For more discussions from the Hammer Archives, check out our home address at www.hammerhorrorpodcast.com. Or why not check us out on Facebook or Twitter? Till then, we'll see you next time. <laughs>